five and a half years ago, a little more than five years ago, about a dozen or so folks got together, uh, and uh, I wasn't in that number, and you know this because I've only been here about a year now, but got together and said, what would a first century church look like in the 21st century? How would a New Testament church look in um, contemporary life? And uh, those, those, those people who are, who are members of our church, some of them, some of them have left, uh, at least half or so of them are still here, ask the question, how would a church look if it adopted New Testament characteristics? And so this particular sermon series entitled Origins is addressing the characteristics and aspects that our church derived from the New Testament. Now we looked at Acts chapter 2 and this is sort of the introduction uh, to each message that you'll hear on our core values and we want you to kind of hear this on a regular basis so that you can be reminded that the start of New Community Covenant Church was not just a good idea. It was not something that somebody cooked up in a, in a seminary class. It's not something that Pastor Peter wrote about and some professor said, I think you should do that. It was a bit more than that. This was a vision. This was a ministry birth out of images that God gave to these key leaders coming from the text of Scripture, starting in Acts chapter 2. And, and, and I want you if you, don't, if, you, if you don't have your Bible, to look at the screen, uh, and you have the vision statement, that we'll go back to that in a moment, but look at Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders, wonders and signs, miraculous signs, were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The first followers of Jesus Christ came together in the book of Acts and, and they embraced values because they believed that if they took on certain characteristics, they could change their world. And when new communities, leaders, and first members got together, we did the same thing, saying if there are biblical values that we actually embrace and call ourselves to as a church, we too can change our world. What were those characteristics in the early church? We're told that the, the church listened to or were taught the apostles' teaching. The church trained and educated its members, having a high commitment to the ministry of learning the truth. Secondly, they brought their members together on a regular, frequent basis. They met together constantly, every day, the text says. They, they couldn't stay away from each other. They gathered together often. Thirdly, the church moved their, their people, its members, into relationships, authentic community or relationships. They fellowshiped. They were together. They had small and large group meetings. They came together for worship, but they also met in their homes. They spent time in prayer as a group. They spent time seeking the face of God, calling upon the Lord, devoting themselves 
to prayer. They practiced radical generosity. Josh said something about stewardship. The church brought their possessions, the text says, and and, and their goods. They sold their possessions and goods, brought the proceeds to the apostles, and made sure that they practiced what's called mercy ministry or, or economic sharing where anyone who had need could come to the church and get needs met. They were joyous. They were sincere They praised God. Can you imagine this church where people are seeing practical needs met, having so much thanksgiving for what God has done that they come together and they're sincerely, joyously praising God. And we'll talk about that actually today as our value. They were evangelistically effective. They saw conversions on a daily basis And and the Bible says that the Lord added to the church daily those who should be saved. The first church, the earliest Christians, changed the world for Jesus. Their conviction is a conviction that we share. And that is that if we are the kind of church that is radically generous, if we're the kind of church that exalts Christ, if we're the kind of church that that embraces authentic community, if we're the type of church that's thrilled about seeking people who need to know Jesus, sharing our faith, practicing economic mercy, being gracious, embodying these values, then we too can change the world for Jesus. So you have our Values. You have new communities, core values, and they're printed in your bulletin. But here, put the mission statement back up for me. Here's our mission and our vision statement. We seek to be a city within a city, an alternate Chicago that passionately loves Jesus Christ, intentionally engages in authentic community, and radically advances the cause of Jesus. Our ministry highlights talk to you about how we do this. When you hear about Michael Legal Aid, you're hearing how we advance the cause of Jesus. When you hear about sound and tech, when you hear about our warming center, or when you hear about our hospitality ministry, you're told how we engage in authentic community, how it is we passionately love Jesus Christ. The sermons speak to the question of why we do what we do. So each week, and Dr. Ra came last week and talked about total justice, talked about that particular characteristic of our church. Today, we're talking about praise and worship. If you have your Bibles, look at Psalms 149. And if you don't, it's up on the screen. I'm going to come down to read it because I didn't bring the version I want to read. I actually brought the different Bible. So Psalm 149. Scripture says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with timbrel and lyre, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. 
He adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to wreak vengeance on the nations and chastisement on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is glory for all his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. Amen. When I started uh, my preparation for the message today, I, uh, of course, I was thinking about why it is we do praise and worship, why it is we come for congregational worship, why it is we sing, why it is we do what we do, and I sort of looked around for other people's answers to uh, that question. This is for entertainment value only, it might not be entertainable, but uh, we'll see. So this is, this is some website's uh, list of uh, why you go to church, why you, why you do this. To observe fanatics at their looniest. To pray for money. To lift up my voice in unison with other fanatics. To check out the hot priest. To sing some of that old southern gospel. Everyone's dressed so nicely. I don't know if this is funny, but uh, I don't know if any of these are funny, but this one. Uh, bars and whorehouses are too crowded. At least in church you can find a seat. Why you come to church? It's cheaper than paying life insurance. It wasn't really funny, was it? Oh, okay. Let's do that. Okay. Um... Why do you come to church? Think about that question. I I don't want you to answer it, but I want you to think about it. In some ways, I'm, 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 I'm pointing to and building on a message that you heard Pastor Peter preach when he started our Metamorphosis series on the last Sunday in April. He talked about if you remember, uh, idols, and, uh, and he talked about worship in that first message. We went to Exodus chapter 20, and, um, and, and one of the things that he said is one of the first things I want to say to you as it relates to why it is we sing, and, and that is we sing because we're all worshipers. Whether you accept the label or not, whether you're comfortable uh, with the term, uh, and whether or not you know it, we are all worshipers. Uh, Every day you get up, every day you go to bed, you're going to do at least one thing, and that is giving something, someone, your worship. You are going to ascribe worth, you're going to speak to the value of some God in your life. And I don't have to re-preach that particular message because Pastor Peter preached it. And if you want to hear it again, go to the podcast and look at it. But hear me uh, just remind you that we are all worshipers. We don't make choices in the matter of worship. We're constituted 
built, framed to worship God. The same God who, 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 who put the image of God in us and said after that image that this is good, put in you and in me the innate tendency, proclivity, and inclination to say to something, you are my God. You deserve my worship. We sing because we are all worshipers. In this text, the psalmist speaks to Israel, and Israel is called the assembly of the faithful. Some translations say the assembly of the saints or the assembly of the people of God. And, and Israel here is called that by what they do. They are called faithful because they do not put anything before the value of expressing their worship and their praise to God. They are faithful, they're called faithful because they do not put anything, no other desire or value consumes them more than the worship of their God, the worship of their maker. And so, so the psalmist says that they are faithful. And when we look at the book of Psalms, it's a hymn book for Israel. Full of songs, these verses are meant to be put to music. They're meant certainly to be prayed and certainly to be read, certainly to be preached from. But the psalms are songs meant to be sang. The book of Psalms frames our worship frames, if you will, our praise. And sometimes we need structure not to tell us uh, 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 why it is we do, uh, but how. And so when we look at the Psalms, we not only see a motive for praise, but we see a method for praise. And, and part of the motive for praise, as we see in the 149th Psalm, is Israel loves its maker. If you look at Psalm 149, You'll see the psalmist talking about love. You'll hear the psalmist talking about uh, joy and rejoicing and these kinds of things. And we see that praise and worship is intimate, that it is intense and that it is uh, intentional. It is intimate because praise speaks to your love. We only praise when we love. Think about the last time somebody told you that they loved you. How, how would you experience them saying, I love you, if they had a frown on their face? Or if... Uh, They spit at you and said, I love you. Something's wrong if, if, if the behavior that expresses love doesn't match with the words you speak about love. That's why it, it doesn't work when you're having an argument uh, with your significant other and, you know, you just say, I love you. It, it's just not going to work, right? It will clap. You, you don't do that. 
Don't do that. There has to be a, an integrity to what we say and do when we think about our maker, when we think about our God. We sing because we are built for it, because we're natural worshipers. We are constituted or made to worship God. But we also sing to express the, the, the beauty of God. We're in a multi-ethnic church, a multicultural church. And, and, and sometimes that has its challenges, but, and, and, and worship is no different. It's, it's when you come for worship here at our church, uh, look, I'm black, you, you can see that. And um, I don't come to new community looking for church the way I would in a black church. Why? Look around. You can't come to church looking for the church that you grew up in because this is probably nothing like the church you grew up in. And if you come to new community with the same expectations that you had for your uh, completely Asian church or your white church, your black church, your Hispanic church, then you will not only be sorely disappointed, but you will not enter into praise and worship for your God because you're hung up on comparing this place with the last place. And here is the issue. Here is the perspective that we need when we talk about worship, when we talk about praise. This is something challenging, but it is equally beautiful. When we gather together for worship, when you hear a call to worship, when you hear the song or the worship leaders talk to you about entering into the presence of God in our multi-ethnic church, it is hard, it is challenging, but it is beautiful because God is bigger than your Korean experience, bigger than my black experience, bigger than your white experience, your experience in an Asian ethnic church or any other church God is larger than anything we have ever experienced. So when you come to your multi-ethnic church, it will be comfortable and uncomfortable. You like hymns, we will sing Christian lyrics. We will sing uh, rock. We will sing language that you can't pronounce. It will be comfortable and uncomfortable. We'll sing gospel. We'll sing a cappella. We'll sing off key. <laughs> because this church is not like the church you come from, but it is the church you belong to. And so if you belong to this church, where is your worship? We sing in order to reflect that beautiful God who is bigger than our cultural experiences. We sing to reflect the angle, the, the shades of God who has called us together for worship. Thirdly, and this is where I'm going to spend the majority of my time, we sing because praise is demonstrative. 
Praise is noticeable. Praise, worship is visible. It is discernible. You can see it, track it, watch it, observe it. Why do we sing? We sing because we're all worshipers. We sing because we will worship whether we think so or not. You will put your time, your energy, your attention, your love somewhere and that thing will be your God. The question is, is God your God? And if so, sing. We worship because We reflect the beauty of God. We worship because we reflect the diversity of God. But we worship because praise is demonstrative. In other words, you cannot praise God and not move. I know that's going to be a problem for some of you. I know, and I'm okay with that. I mean, we can talk about it. We can talk about it. But, But if you take a biblical view... If you look at any psalm, which is the hymn book of Israel, which is what scholars have called the book of songs, the book of praises, if if it is the largest book of the Bible, and it is, and it says nothing, uh, if it says anything, it says everything about praise, then if you look at it, you can't close your eyes to the visible, motion-filled character of praise in the psalm. Now that you know where I'm going, go with me. The psalm says that we should sing unto the Lord a new song. That's my mama, y'all. She, she, she gonna, she gonna make me preach. Uh, now, look at these passages before I get too excited. I want to give you really a biblical treatment so that you don't think we're making this up. So that when Andy gets to the mic or Chris gets to the mic, Sandra or Sharky or anybody else comes to the mic, you don't think we're asking you to sing just because we want to hear your voice. Truth is, God wants to hear your voice. I mean, can it get more engaging than that? That the maker of Israel is asking for you to sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Look at the second verse. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies around me. At his tabernacle I will sacrifice... For you that say, I'm not comfortable with this, I'm not built for this, I'm not used to this, I will sacrifice with shouts, now we'll get to that in a moment, but of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. Next passage, next passage. Look at these passages that have to do with singing. Sing for joy to God our strength. Look at this passage here in 1 Corinthians, hear this carefully. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Here is the question for you, brother or sister in Christ. If you come to this church, when you do not praise, do you know that you're crippling the body of Christ? Strengthening 
of the church. So for you, brother or sister, who stands in the back, sits in the back, crams your lips closed when everybody's singing, are you okay with disabling, weakening the church? You mean if I don't sing? I'm not strengthening. Yeah, that's what, that's what Paul is saying. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. The text says that not only should we sing, but we should rejoice. Put up a couple of passages about rejoicing here so that you can see them. And I'm just going to pull out one. Look at, look at this one, the second one here. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. From there, they have gone up cheering and the city resounds with it. That's the noise you hear. What's happening here is, is Athalia is, uh, is being deposed as king and a new king is being installed and Kings talks about, the, the book of Kings is telling us what the people are doing when the new king is crowned. At the coronation, the people of God, uh, the people of Israel have gone up cheering and the city is resounding with their cheers. Imagine this place shaking because of your cheers and your praises. That's what's happening here. The noise that, that the, the deposed queen is hearing here is freaking her out because the city is moving. They're rejoicing so much. Now, that's what they did for, for the king in Israel. When we worship together, can we, can we, uh, this is a beautiful church, you know, can we shake the columns in this church? Metaphorically even. Because we are making joy for God. The, the word rejoice means to joy in or before your God. So here it is. You say, I come to church, I don't feel like singing. It's fine. I come to church, I'm tired. I had a late night. That's fine. Come to church, I don't like the song. That's fine. I come to church, I don't like the worship leader today. It's fine. I come to church and that person who's just stiff on the background vocalist, just not doing it for me. Fine. I come to church and Pastor Peter's not here to preach. I'm upset. Just can't do it. Fine. <laughs> I come to church and it's hot. Fine. I come to church and you know, I just want to be alone. I don't want anything about community today. I don't want to shake anybody's hand. Please don't ask me to smile or say hello. Fine. But you still can rejoice. You can make joy before your God. Here, here's what it means. It means when you don't have the feeling, make joy before your God. God is next to you, beside you, behind you. You are before God. Will you make joy before him? I don't feel like it. Will you make joy 
before your God. That's what we're told when the psalmist says rejoice. Now, we, we enjoy. You can go to the second passage so that they can have the, the, rejo- the uh, passages. But when, when we're told to rejoice, think about how you feel when you're in the presence of somebody you enjoy. How many of you have friends? I know all of you don't, but how many of you have friends? Okay, okay for you that aren't raising your hands, you have your mother or your father. Uh, if you don't have them, you have us. So everybody, raise your hand. You have friends. All right, yeah. Um, now, there's some friends, if you like me, that you like more than others. Uh, and I can't say the names of my friends who I like more than others because it'll start a fight with the friends that I don't like as much as I do. But, um, you know, I, I sort of have, have my picks. And if you're honest, you have your picks. There are people who I really enjoy being around. And those are the people who, whenever they call, I answer their call. Everybody else gets the caller ID. You know, it's kind of... <laughs> Um, I'm not lying. My wife will tell you, I don't answer the phone at home. I don't, you know. And I've got other reasons for that. I just don't. When I go home, I don't want to talk to anybody. I talk to my wife. I want to talk to her or my family, but everybody else. But, but for the people who I enjoy, right, it's like you call me, you come by, and I want to be in your presence. I want to change my schedule for the people I enjoy. I'll inconvenience myself for people I want to be around. Do you enjoy your God? See, the thing is, this is not about you. And and, and the the trouble with these core values, if there are trouble with them, is it's not directly applicable. It's not meeting a felt need that an individual has. It's about the church. It's about the people. It's about us as a church. But, but, But that's exactly what it is. This is not about how I feel. This is directly related to God. And if I am before God, I'm going to make joy. I'm running out of time. Uh, Dancing, boy, Andy got in that just for a few moments, and I'm not going to mess with you on the dancing that much, um, but I'm going to put these passages up and just give you you this funny definition because all of us can't keep rhythm, but, but dancing means to rhythmically, uh, bodily, it's, it's rhythmic bodily music, I'm, I'm sorry, rhythmic bodily movement often to music. And look at these passages that relate uh, to dancing. Uh, it's, it's movement, right? Uh, and all of us, I can't dance. You know, uh, Evelyn was teasing me when we were practicing this morning, when we were going through sound check and everything. And when she, she teased me and said I was dancing in the retreat. I wasn't dancing. I was doing, I was doing this, you know, whatever. It's not a dance, you know. I, it's it's kind of like what you saw on Hitch. It's like, you know, you keep your hands here. Um, but, but you will never see me dance because I'm not going to embarrass myself, you know, kind of thing. But that's exactly what this text in Psalm 149 is calling for. It's calling for something that could be embarrassing to us. It's actually a word that means, and I won't go into it, I said I won't go into it, it's, it's, it means to form a ring. It, uh, have you heard about the, the, the African tradition of developing a ring shout? That's exactly coming out of Psalm 149. Form a ring and move. Now, I'm not going to push you on that because, you know, I'm asking you to clap. I'm trying to, you know, I'm asking you to lift your hands. And we'll get to dancing, but I want you to know it's in that song. All right, clapping. Psalm 47 and 1. 
And we pretty much do this well. You know, if I ask you to clap, you clap for now until the next hour because it's just easy. It doesn't take much to clap. We clap everywhere. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto the Lord. Last two, lifting up our hands and bowing down. Lifting up our hands. Lifting up your hands. And there are two ways to lift your hands generally. You can lift your hands like this as if you are receiving something. You can lift your hands there. That's called a, a yadar in Hebrew. A yadar. But, but this passage here is not making reference or the passages that I'm listing here in, uh, on the PowerPoint has to do with a todah praise. It's when your palms are out like this and you're lifting up your hands. This, this movement is a gesture of surrender. It is what you do in the presence of a superior individual. It's what you do in the presence of a superior God. You lift your hands in surrender, saying, what I have belongs to you. I don't ever want to be arrested. I've never been pulled over. I've never been arrested. I've got friends who are cops. If I get arrested, I'm calling all of them. (laughs) But if you were pulled over, especially these days, you know, you live on the the wrong side of town or whatever, right side of town, you know, police stop you, you know, whatever. Lift your hand. Why are you doing this? Because you're surrendering. Because you're saying, you have more power than I do. And so, when the song says, we lift our hands in the sanctuary, we clap our hands in the sanctuary, what you're saying to God is, hey, see this antenna? I'm saying to you, God, you have more power than me. This praise, I'm surrendering to you because it belongs to you. Some of us make excuses. We say, well, you know, Michael, I just, I don't get into that. I'm not, I'm kind of, you know, reserved. I'm collected, you know, this kind of thing. I'm laid back. But you go to the ball game and you lifting your hands, you clapping your hands, you shouting, you're doing it all, right? And you come to church. Come on. You can come with, be- with a better one than that. You go watch the Cubs or the White Sox. I can- is the White Sox for you, Carlos? I wish I would go to a game with Carlos and he's honking and shouting and everything. He'd come to church and he'd sit down on the worship team. I wish he would. I can pick on him. But you do it. You're watching the playoffs. You're watching the Super Bowl. You're watching... Uh, Wimbledon, I don't know what you watch, badminton. And you're getting all up in arms because your team or whatever is not winning. And when they do win, when they do score, everybody on your block can hear you. And you come to church and you act like you're mad at us because we want you to sing in church. I'm glad you're laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. Half of y'all, this whole half, just sitting there, that's me, preacher. That's me, hallelujah. Pray for me, just pray for me. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to tell you to lift your hands. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Bowing down. Look at these passages here. Exodus 20 and 5. And we sort of started here. Uh, um, You shall not bow down to them or worship them. This is the commandment. You'll, You'll remember this. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. You won't bow down to them or worship them. Next passage. Next passage. Jehoshaphat. 
bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites stood up and, uh, uh, and, and praised the Lord. I missed the D there. Uh, stood up and praised the, uh, and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. The king here is bowing down. The people of Israel are falling on their faces. And then the other praisers get up and say, not only will we bow down, but we want to stand and shout or say with a very loud voice voice. Our God is worthy of praise. The next passage, just go through the other two. Look at these two, Psalm 66 and and Psalm 95, 95 and 6. Come, let us bow and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And then we go back to Psalm 149, and, 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 and there's this language here about, about praise executing judgment. What is that? And, and this is somewhat connected to bowing here. The, 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 and here you, here you have the, the psalm again. Uh, flip to the next one, Lola, please. And let true lovers break out in praise, sing from where they're sitting, shout the high praises of God, brandish their songs with the wild sword dance, verses 7 on through, uh, a portent of vengeance God de- on, on God-defying nations, a signal that punishment is coming. What is this business that kings are, chains are hauled off to jail or leaders are behind bars for good, judgment carried on them? Uh, what is this here? What's happening here is that everything Everything in this text, whether it's rejoicing or clapping or singing or, or, or dancing, is judging the other kings and gods that filter around Israel. So for you and for me, when we sing, bow, lift our hands, clap, what have you, what we are doing are judging the gods in our lives, anything and everything that vies for God's place in your life. You are bowing to God and reminding that idol, you don't call the shots for me. So when you lift your hands, when you clap your hands, when you sing unto God, you are demonstrating who your true God is. Andy, come on back. Last thing. I was looking for an image or a a picture um, to, to, to try to grab this. For you and, and, I, and I had the perfect one. I almost scanned it in, but I thought it was a little over the top. Um, but 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 I, I was looking for, and I I looked in my uh, my wedding album, and uh, I saw a picture. The photographer he did one thing right. Um, he uh, he took he t- he took these pictures, and uh, there at my I have a lot of friends who are singers, and they um, they sing. <laughs> That's what singers do. Um, but they were at my wedding. I had I had a friend of mine sing. Uh, for me to, to my wife. And uh, he's singing, you know, you are so beautiful. And yeah, it was, it was nice. It was. And so, and so, you know, I don't know if this comes out of black church or what, but he, we, we start passing the mic. So my other friend picked up the mic and, you know, he starts singing the same. And then I'm sitting at the table. I'm like, wait a minute, this is my wedding. And they, and they singing. I asked them, but I, I went and grabbed the mic. So I start singing, right? I'm singing. And the photographer has this picture. Here I am. I'm just kind of singing. 
And so the left side of the, the album, there's me singing, and then the right side, right next to it, is my wife kind of looking like this. And, and she's saying to herself, either, boy, he's going to embarrass me for the rest of my life. Look at him. Or, 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 she's, or she's taking pleasure in what her new husband is doing. That entire psalm, nine verses, there's one verse that talks about God's response. The whole psalm is talking about what you do, what I do, what we do as a church. We're singing, we're making joy, we're striking up the band, you know, whatever, we're doing all of this. And then there's a, there's a verse that sneaks in and it says that God takes pleasure. That God delights. a question for you. If you knew that God was listening, watching you, paying attention to you, just gazing at you when you worshiped, what would you do? If God, I mean, I love my wife and all, but then she, but God, if God was there saying, look at him, hey Adam, look at Adam, If you're asking yourself, am I, am I looking for you to worship this morning? Yeah, I am. Think about that. Bow your head. Bow your head. And I want you to, I want you to think about a response to this. Just say something that sounds like praise. Come on. Spend your time with God. New community, go forth. Being an alternate Chicago, a city within a city, passionately loving Jesus Christ, pursuing authentic community and radically advancing the cause of Christ. Being a worshiper, knowing full well that that means to make our God your God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See you next week.